Today, I have Yana with me. Yana is an award-winning POTUS life coach, inspirational speaker, transformational teacher, and soul illuminator who inspires, empowers, and educates globally. And she's the founder of Timeless Teachings Podcast and Awaken Human. And her clients and students come from 30 different countries all around the world with highly diverse backgrounds. And she has been working with highly successful people for many years and has unique insights into millionaires and billionaires mindset. And right now she's on her journey. I would call it like a soul searching journey, traveling around um, and teaching and traveling at the same time around the world. And today I'm very happy to have her on the podcast. So welcome to Fast Track Podcast, Yana. Thank you so much. Yes, it's a pleasure to be here. And tell us a little bit about yourself because I'm very curious about your personal story. You have this um, Yana TV in the past you started and you interviewed so many successful people. I'm sure you gain a lot of insights, but then right at the beginning, how did you decide to pursue this journey? Well, to keep it short and sweet, <laughs> I was born in Russia in St. Petersburg, and this is where I grew up. And then when I was 21, I left with a one-way ticket out and 100 US dollars in my pocket. And pretty much no plans, no structure, no friends, no job, no relatives anywhere to land. And it was just this very youth type of uh, adventure to go into the world and see what happens. And that was the beginning of a very big journey, which took me around the world. It brought me, you know, I used to live in Zurich. I used to live in New York. And for the last 12 years, it has been Singapore. And so what happens that, of course, when you meet people and you get to know different cultures and you live in different places, you start questioning a lot of things. Right. So I feel when you grow up and uh, especially if you come from a bigger country with a strong culture, I think anyone who comes from pretty much, I mean, I believe we all have strong culture. Right. But especially if it is large country itself, then uh, um, I feel it conditions us in a particular way. So when we start traveling around the world, you become much more open minded and also you start challenging certain truths things you believed to be true, maybe because you grew up a certain way, you start questioning, is it really true? Like the Byron Katie tells us in her work, right? We all know maybe the work by Byron Katie. And so that journey um, just eventually led me to look at mystical schools, particularly in Asia. And I tried uh, a big variety. I tried kind of this more religious angle. And then I tried with non-religious angle. And I tried personal development, which is focusing more on like a peak performance. So pretty much anything around the human evolution and training your mind, because it's all about the mind largely, how to be at its full potential. I have gone very deep on this journey for many, many years. And of course, I think for anyone who does this kind of work, it always comes with the personal story. And like when I was 27, it was probably the lowest part of my life, but it was at the very, very bottom, emotionally, mentally, financially, physically, pretty much everything. And I was very, very close to committing suicide at that time, like one step away. And I remember when I was like in this really, really dark place within myself that I had to justify in my mind, why do I want to stay alive and continue being here? And at the time, the only thing I could possibly think about was to help 
other people find the light. And I think that's how often happens for those of us who work with people. Most of the time we get into this job because of our personal pain that we want to heal. And then when we start working with people, we healing our own pain. And eventually we just get to that space when it doesn't hurt anymore for ourselves. And then I feel it's where the true work begins because then you're operating no longer from fear, you're operating from love. And uh, that just leads to larger impact. And it also leads to cleaner sort of way of holding space for other people. And that which eventually then led me to doing all those things that you mentioned, Viziana TV and Timeless Teachings podcast and interviewing and retreats and coaching and all of that. But I just also want to be very clear for people that it is important we do not underestimate the potential of our own trauma, which then once we heal can be transformed into our biggest gift. Mm, that last sentence is, is, is amazing. The, I love the last sentence. And even though you explained your personal story in such a short you know, period of time, but I can feel that the richness of the experience that you have in life creates such a big impact, uh, not on how you think, how you behave, and how, your vision and your view towards living this life. If you don't mind, would you um, tell us what happened when you were 27? Because I just want to let the audience know, you know, maybe many of others experience similar things, but they're not alone. It's, it's life. You just have to look at it from different point of view. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I got married relatively young, so I got in my perspective. So I got married when I was twenty-two, and uh, my husband uh, got diagnosed with cancer three months after the marriage, pretty much immediately. And then I became his primary cancer caregiver for, I think it was like five, five to seven years, and that was just a very. Uh, um, traumatic experience and also I just want to say that in my 20s I was not who I am today in my 30s right so I didn't speak to uh, people who called coaches or therapists I think until I, I was 27 or 28 so I went through this entire journey of dealing with the spouse who pretty much was dying from a critical illness being alone in a foreign country so we lived together in the US and then we moved together to live also in Singapore but from my perspective I didn't have any support so I had to support him without having any support myself and of course when you move around the world so much is you also add like when you're in your 20s, right, you have also your own dreams, you, you want to do something with your life, and I wanted to be an actress, I wanted to go to Hollywood and do all those things, and I kind of was on this track of acting and modeling before I met him, and then because of those life circumstances, I made the choice to not pursue my career, which I wanted to do and my passion, but instead to become to fulfill the duty of the wife, which I felt I had to do, right? Because we were together and this is what happened. And, and then also on top of this, just the, I would say cultural probably differences when you live in a different country. And especially if you move without um, sort of job assistance or established friend circle or family members being there, you're very isolated. And I just found that it was very difficult to keep giving energy to someone who really needs it day after day after day and supporting the person without knowing how to replenish 
my own energy. And when you do this consistently for many years, I just ended up experiencing a massive burnout, like massive. And because I was too young and I think too ignorant and maybe too afraid and maybe too proud, you know, to ask for help. Uh, out also this stigma around the mental health sort of challenges, right? So I felt, well, I am strong. I can deal with this. I'm not one of those sick people who go and talk to therapists, I thought, right? So I didn't want to reach out to anyone. And it just played like really badly against me eventually. And as one of my friends used to say, with those kind of things, it's important you treat it earlier. It's a bit like with the temperature, right? If you have temperature, let's say, 37.5 in Celsius, it's one thing. If you have temperature, which is 39, you have to be hospitalized. So it's the same pretty much, which I feel when it comes to our mental well-being, that when mind just starts wandering off a little bit, it's much easier to help this person rather than when you wait and you're about to commit suicide, then it is much harder to bring you back. And so what happens then when I was 27, my husband died. And again, it was just such a such a shock for me at that time. And it just took me many, many years to process it. And because of also the way how it was connected with his death, I pretty much ended up being on the street with no money, no job, no sort of understanding how to get employed because I was a caregiver all the time. So I didn't acquire enough professional skills for my CV to be hired by someone. And I kind of were just in that space in life where I was very lost and didn't know what to do. And um, that's kind of pretty much was the story, which then eventually brought me ironically, right, into the work I'm doing right now because I wanted to heal myself first. And then eventually it became a profession helping other people. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Uh, even from your personal story, I can relate to that. So I'm, I'm sure the audience out there, you know, if you think you are experiencing difficult times, you know, in your life, you're not alone. We all have this kind of similar things, you know, happening in our life. And which I'm, I feel very inspired with what you did afterwards, that you really uh, kind of have this awakening moment and then pursue a journey. And then that leads to where you are now. And then you look happy, you look, you know, you look, you are, you are glowing. And so I want to talk a bit more on the present, Yana. Mm -hmm. And after that, you, you went through this, um, you talk about the, the study, understand human psychology and how to heal yourself. Um, and then that leads to your passion in helping others. So in your private uh, coaching, like your, as a life coach, can you um, tell us a little bit about how a normal person, if they experience something dramatic in their life, uh, what's the journey that you know they are going through with you or not with you, just with anyone that they might need help from? Mm -hmm. I also want to clarify something very, very important here, which I feel right. I do not really do trauma healing. Okay. So this is just very important to understand. There are people who are trained for that. Yeah. And they are trauma specialists. And if someone is experiencing something really traumatic at the moment, like in my case, it was death of my husband, right? So I actually went to work to this, this therapist. I'm not a therapist by training. So I'm doing uh, more life and soul guidance, which means 
in my understanding, there are different levels how we can evolve as humans. And usually trauma is sort of the, the foundation of the problems we have in life. And if people who are listening to us right now feel that they haven't dealt with their traumas yet, then I would strongly encourage to go and work with the professional and heal it and clean it up. Because if you have unhealed trauma, it's a bit like um, it's a bit like a room that you just closed in your house, but it doesn't mean you don't have it, right? And it drains you a lot and it takes a lot of energy to keep that door closed in this particular room. So it might be very scary and usually it is very confronting to look at it, but it is also very important because once we heal that, then we open up this energy to be in all aspects of our lives, which is really important. So that's kind of the first step. Then for people who have done enough of that kind of work, when they have looked at their past, when they looked at themselves, they faced their shadows, they probably did enough work with relationship with their parents and perhaps their upbringing, you know, so there's quite a, a bit of foundation there already. Then these people usually come to me eventually. And then we start talking about the sole purpose. So what I do, it is... When you are good in life, right? So you you either okay or, or really good. So you don't have massive problems like that are really draining your energy a lot. You either somewhere in the middle or probably like a higher middle little bit. And you start just asking yourself those questions. Okay, so what what it is that I really want to do? Not because I want to make money or not because I have to make money, but something that I want to do because it is my passion, because it is my life calling, because I want to make a contribution, because I want to leave a legacy, right? So it's just an entirely different types and group of people. And we can all be there if we want to. We don't have to, but if we want to, we can all be in that group. And those are the people that I usually work quiz so they come just with very different mindset they have different life circumstances and uh, they want different things in life and the, when you talk about those people who are millionaires and billionaires do they have like a different mindset that you have observed yes just again here to clarify people who i who i personally interview right now for the timeless teachings podcast most of them are teachers and influencers and role models so I don't know if they're millionaires or billionaires, right? So they're more in the teaching space. They're those who are helping others. And those people who are my students and clients that I do a lot of especially one-on-one -on -one work, then those often tend to be, yes, what we call uh, traditionally 1% of the 1% in a like very sort of social way right yeah so and i'm not saying again that they are better than others you know to me it is just different type of people uh, but they have an opportunity to impact more people because of where they are in life and this is the reason also why i work with them because then when i work with the person like that i know that this person will impact many more because they just work with a lot of people usually right and they do have a different mindset. Do you want me to tell you what it is? <laughs> yes, yes. That's, uh, th that, that's, that's the whole point of this. It's the whole the point. Yes, what is the mindset? Okay. Yeah, what is the mindset difference that you have observed? 
Yes, that is a great, great question. So there are a few character traits and the way how they look at life, right? So first of all, these people are usually very demanding. So they want kind of everything yesterday. They're perfectionist and they would be very demanding, first of all, towards themselves. So it means they have very high standard for themselves. And as a result, they would have a very high standard for people around them, for the work other people do. They would demand you to be at the top of your game. So there's a bit of pressure there, right? Which again, not for everyone. And I'm not also saying that this is, a better you know, way to live life. I'm just kind of describing what I noticed from my work with those people. So they're very demanding. They also very hardworking. And for me, it was very interesting uh, because sometimes I work, let's say with um, people who may be in their thirties or forties and they inherited money from uh, the family, right? So there may be like this next generation that now has to, figure out how to spend money and what to do with that. And to me, it was always very interesting to watch them, how much they actually work. And um, when I was asking them, why? Because they don't have to. Many people think that you work only when you have to. So what do you do with your life if you don't have to work? Some people might go in a self-destructive behavior, right? When we just kind of start spending money randomly and going into kind of all sorts of things that probably shouldn't be doing. Um, but people that I work with and many people that I see, uh, it's very interesting how much they're focused on the vision of a better society and also how much for themselves they feel that almost they have to earn the right to have all this money. Right? So it's not, so psychologically, it's very hard for a human being kind of just accept that you were born like with the silver spoon or you were born like in that particular situation. So they're trying to, to, make, to make themselves worthy of receiving that, let's say from their parents, though they work really, really hard. And so that kind of was the trait for pretty much anyone that I saw, uh, which for me was interesting to notice. Then uh, the next one that uh, these people uh, usually choose their friends very carefully. And that's why there are all those conversations and it is so hard to get into this network and it is a very closed circle and there are all kinds of people also I know who teach you how to get to know people who are that, right? The reason for this, what I also realized after years, I mean, we could say it is an element of, I don't know, maybe elitism or arrogance to be very honest, right? I mean, sometimes it comes with that. It depends on the person and the character. But I think the reality, it's actually all about trust. So the reason why they are so picky about friends and why usually it takes some time to develop that level of trust with that kind of person is because everyone is after them. If you just think about it, Every day, someone comes to them and asks for money, for introductions, for support, for endorsement, right? So they're constantly 
approached by people who want something from them. And of course, I mean, if it happens day after day after day, they just get very nervous and they get very guarded. And when someone shows up, they don't know, then their first question would be, what do you want from me? Right? And unfortunately, this is the truth. And that's also ironically, again, one of the reasons why they come to work with people like myself, because of this low level of trust, when at some point, it might be perceived by others that you're on the top of the world, but the reality of your life, you don't trust anyone in the world, which is a very difficult place to be. And uh, that's why they kind of very picky about friends. Actually, there's also another reason for that I want to add, because I was listening to this podcast interviewing um, a very successful entrepreneur. And he said, you know, people always talk about uh, once you become rich, you forget about your friends because you're now snobbish. Actually, that's not the truth. It's because people put in the hard work and they have accumulated so much experience in life and they change their mindset. It just naturally, they outgrown their old self. Yep. And if their friends still stay the same, it's hard for them to reconnect with their friends again. It's not because they become snobbish. It's just because they are developing themselves all the time. And then their friends, from the village or school, they are staying where they are. It's about the mindset. It's a natural progression. It's not about being snobbish. Exactly, exactly. But also just to be honest, kind of untransparent about it, sometimes it is about being snobbish, right? And there are elements, sometimes there could be elements of being arrogant or elitist and kind of thinking, which is very human. I'm not criticizing it by any means, right? It's very human that sometimes when we start achieving more in life, it is very e easy for the ego to kind of get carried away. And I think the reality, it happens to every single person. It is just people who are more self-aware. They know how to, they notice it when that starts happening and they know how to bring themselves back into the center and kind of tell, okay, let's let's learn some humility here, right? Let's stay grounded. And I think that if people tell you that they have never had snobbish thoughts, I think they're lying. It is not true. They did. <laughs> so it is, again, it's just how we hold ourselves, right? And But at the same time, then you're also absolutely right. It is very true that when we are on the way on this journey, um, this is actually one of the pains that people have to go through if they are on a journey of becoming uh, very wealthy financially, right? So it's exactly that, that you will have to let go of many relationships, often with friends, often with relatives, which is really painful. And, um, and it's not for everyone. Like I know some people who would like to stay with friends, with people maybe they knew from the very beginning of their life and they don't want to change the circle. And I'm not saying that you cannot become, you know, a millionaire or something if you stay connected with your, with your primary school friends. I mean, of course you can. But the reality of it is that your friendship will be challenged and your mind is different, your lifestyle is different and the reality of life, friends can get jealous and friends could actually sort of um, question how you make choices. And uh, sometimes it's exactly what you said, that uh, mind changes so much 
that you simply don't see anything in common anymore with people you used to be friends, right? Yeah. And then you just have to let it go. And sometimes also what happens is you let it go. And then maybe sometime later, a few years later, five, 10 years later, you reconnect with those people too. So that's why uh, when... When, when people come to me and ask for advice, sometimes especially about relationships which they feel do not allow them to move forward in life, I always say, you know what? You can just pause it for the moment. Don't burn the bridges, right? It's not like you say, okay, I'm never going to talk to this person again. It is not true. It is just for now, if you feel that there is someone in your life who is holding you back and draining your energy and doesn't believe in your success, or maybe tells you it's not going to work, or somehow tries to criticize you and you criticize you in a way which is not constructive, because sometimes criticism could be very good for you, right? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. here, I mean, not constructive criticism holds you back. Yes. Then, yes. right? Then you just say, okay, it is not helping. So you step aside. And you give it some time and you pursue your dream. And then maybe later you will reconnect with this person. You never know. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, it's so right. And sometimes um, when people, you know, progress in life or accumulate wealth because of, you know, their mindset change, hard work, and naturally they create value for more people. Naturally, they accumulate more wealth, right? And then it can be also judged by their friends if their friends don't understand their personal choices. Uh, I give you a very typical example, like money course, we talk about money mindset. Most of the time, the rich people, they, they, they drive secondhand car. Their cars are mm -hmm. cheaper than people mm -hmm. who are not that rich. You know, the people who even drive more expensive cars and, and then can be judged like, oh, you have so much money. Why you don't buy a nicer car? You're so stingy. People don't understand why, because mm -hmm. cars are depreciating assets. That's why people mm -hmm. rather to invest money rather than putting things in a car. Um, yeah, that, that's kind of things like, I feel what you talk about is it's like when you progress, you have to pause the relationship with some people if they don't understand and reconnect with them maybe a few years later. Exactly. And also you brought a very important point that sometimes, I would say not all of them, because it also depends on the personality, but a lot of times that uh, these people could be viewed by others as stingy. It's exactly what you said, right? And others would say, wow, you have so much money and you don't want to spend it. But this is the interesting one. Maybe there is so much money because the person is very particular about how she or he is spending. And the reason why they're doing it is not because they are uh, not generous, actually. Often they are very generous people. And when they give, they give a lot and from their heart. But they choose very carefully where they give. And they want to make sure that you, you fit exactly into what they want to invest into, right? And also it's, it's about respecting money. So it's, you know, when, when we respect money, we have this balance, right? So the balance of sort of giving and receiving about when money comes to you and when money goes out. And often uh, I think that, um, but there was those uh, psychological experiment I think proven many, many times in many countries that they say, let's say if you take a homeless person on the street and you give this person $1 million, for example, yeah. then, then statistically within a year, everything will be gone. Yeah. And the person will be back on the street with, with no source of income. It's yeah. exactly it, right? Because it's not about how much money you have. 
it's your ability to respect money and to know what to do with this. Yeah. And so to making money just one part of the game, to, to, to sustain it and to expand it is an entirely different matter. Yeah, um, money mindset and money habit. Same with lottery winners, we see the same. And coming back to your, mm-hmm. your, your teachings, how do you take them through this journey? Because this is not a common mm-hmm. topic among majority. Mm-hmm. So I want to explore a little bit more on what is life coaching and then who would need it and then what kind of results they can expect to receive afterwards. Sure, it's a great, great question. And um, thanks to COVID and pandemic, now life coaching and anything around mental health became leveled up and everyone wants to talk about it these days which is really interesting for me because before it's exactly what you said it was not mainstream and people were like well this is like after we do these these this and that right when all those kind of demands are covered then we can talk about mental well-being and maybe life purpose and and inner peace and uh because of the COVID and pandemic and extreme socialization and everything that has been happening as a result People just developed so much more anxieties and that made them question many things and especially also professional things in life, right? So whether they're in the right job, whether they're, you know, in the right line of business in general. And so I just noticed that there were many more people who reached out to help since 2020, which was really interesting, you know, to see. And just to answer your question a bit more specifically, what kind of people who who come for this kind of work Again, I think it depends who is the guide and what kind of work this person is offering. So because in my case, I offer more sole purpose. So those are people, for me, they would be either those who are already relatively successful or often they are themselves about to become teachers or facilitators or they kind of want to work with people and while holding space for others, they could be coaches and healers themselves. They also want to work on themselves, right? So I do kind of also that kind of mentorship for other teachers, coaches, healers. And um, for those who are not in this line of work, it's uh, just simply people who want to have this union of mind, body, and their soul. So it means that when they do something professionally, they want to do this because it's really connected with whatever they want to do in their heart, not because they received maybe education and this when they were younger, not because their parents want them to do, not because this is the easiest way to make money, right? They want to do something because they really believe in it. And usually what I notice that first they have to figure out what it is that they believe in it. That's why I say that the work that I do is about two very important things. So one, you have to realize what is your sole purpose. And two, you need to embody it. And so the realizing part, it is more about the metaphysical. It's all more about the spiritual or personal development or maybe momental, right? If we could use those words, because then you have to look within yourself and ask yourself often really tough questions. And uh, like, for example, one of the questions which I really love a lot, and I'm just going to say it out here for people to reflect, those who are listening to us, try to ask yourself, what nourishes my soul and just reflect on this in your honesty and see what comes up and you will be surprised often with the answers because things that nourish our soul and nourish our ego 
usually completely different things. And most of the time when we go into professional world, we instinct, not instinctively, by conditioning, we choose activity that nourishes our ego. It is very normal for all of us as people, right? Because we, we want to become something or someone because we want to prove something to ourselves or others, or we want to heal our pain or trauma, or we, we're running towards pleasure, right? So we always say it's either running away from pain or running towards pleasure. <laughs> and uh, so it's all from the egoic structure, which is part of being human. It is beautiful. The only problem with this, it is not sustainable. And that's why there is this myth, and I think it is a myth, when people say that uh, those who are very wealthy and famous, you know, and successful, they're very unhappy people. To me, it is myth. And the reason why there is this myth, because most of people would go from what their ego wants and start building their life around it. And you can become very wealthy and very successful and very famous following what your ego wants. And Again, then the only problem is going to hit you later when you're at the top of the mountain, you will not feel this deep inner fulfillment because you never talk to your soul, right? And that's often, this is where cliche kind of opinion comes from, that those are the people who usually go and talk to life coaches, which there's an element of truth in that. There are many people like this, yes, but I'm also noticing that they are older generation. They probably would be like your and my parents' generation, right? So that maybe for them, it was the truth. But I feel the younger generation, it's now entirely different because we already now start asking ourselves this question. We don't want just to make money. We also want to do something which we really love doing. And I think it's probably a big part of also the work that you do. Yes, right? When you help people to figure it out with, you know, with the money mindset and everything that you do, that it has to kind of ignite their heart. Otherwise, they will not be able to find the energy to do everything that they need to do. And uh, so when people come, then one category is those who follow their ego and they made all the money and they are not happy. And then they come to me and we have to clean it up and figure out what to do now, right? This is a big work around it. And the other group of people who are smarter and before they say, oh, I want to become that millionaire or billionaire, they ask this question, what nourishes my soul? And we spend time reflecting on it and we become really clear what it is and it takes time to get there. But the beauty of it, once you're very clear, then it becomes very easy to do. And then when you start pursuing this path, you will not experience a burnout because everything you do is giving you energy. Right? So it doesn't matter if you work, I don't know, 10, 12 hours a day, if it is something that gives you tremendous energy and you love doing it regardless, then you, you keep replenishing yourself all the time. And just in the long run, you kind of become, you have a jackpot because then you have the money, you have the impact, and you are very fulfilled within yourself. Have you heard about this concept called Ikigai? Tell me, no. <laughs> <laughs> so Ikigai is a concept from Japan. So they did a study why in that village, all the old people, you know, they live more than 100 years old. So the life longevity is like pretty lo longest in the mm -hmm. world, I think. Um, and then they understand why, because the people there in their culture, when you ask what they do, 
in our general normal society, people say, oh, I'm a teacher, I'm a coach, I'm a professor. They quote themselves by profession. But mm -hmm. in that village, they quote themselves by what kind of value they bring to the society. So there are three, uh, like a Venn diagram, three things is you, you do what you are good at and you mm -hmm. do what creates impact on other people on the society. And uh, what you do brings you uh, you are rewarded. So when you find this overlap of the three elements, then that you find your ikigai, which is what you talk about, the your, your purpose, like you feel uh, you're passionate about doing that. And then money comes as a result, naturally. Yes, that's exactly it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And uh, one thing I also want to talk about it earlier, you mentioned uh, about this, uh, the myth that people think rich people are unhappy. <laughs> Uh, you you explained it very well. I think, yes, when they are doing uh, the work, you know, that doesn't nourish their soul. When they're at top of the mountain, they will be burnt out. But if they are doing it uh, because they enjoy doing it, like what we talk about today, people ask themselves, oh, if money is not a problem, what would I do? Yeah, if you do mm -hmm. that thing, that's going exactly. to nourish your soul, right? Exactly. Yeah, but, but then I want to say, on the other hand, to address this myth is there will be way more people feeling miserable when they do not have the money. So that's just yes. a fact. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, also uh, we kind of casually spoke about it, right? When I yeah. said that uh, often there is another myth around um, like life coaching or personal development, the kind of spiritual journeys that for some reason people think that spirituality and money don't go well together. Right? So it's a very common myth actually. That somehow that, um, you know, if you do spiritual work, it also often has to be for free or people who go on this journey, they feel they have to give away all their money and they have to massively change their lifestyle or they cannot possibly run a very successful business and be on spiritual journey at the same time. Right. I'm like, well, it's all questionable and I don't, I don't believe in three. Is it because yes, we, I think money exactly, is exactly. So for some reason in our society, money has been demonized. This is exactly it, right? So that is, we have this even the saying, like I told you, you know, Russia is the country where I was born, and it's funny right now I'm here just because I'm on my sabbatical and and soul searching here, right? So I'm traveling around the world, as you said, and uh, where I grew up in this culture, there is a saying that people don't like those people who are healthy, wealthy, and happy. Right. So <laughs> because that creates a lot of jealousy usually. And this is the reality of life. And at the same time, what I learned that money is an incredibly powerful tool. It is a very important instrument that can give you not, I'm not talking even about comfort. I'm talking more about freedom. It gives you freedom to live the life that you want to live in the way how you want to live it, which is priceless to me. Right. Yeah. And at the same time, because of the social conditioning and this I have seen across pretty much all cultures all over the world, regardless of where we have been born in the world, we all went through the social conditioning that money is evil one way or another, or you have to work very hard to make a lot of money, right? Or you have to sacrifice something like relationships or health, you know, to make or money. Moral, or the, exactly, or exactly, exactly. <laughs> or you have to sacrifice your morality and make like really not humane decisions, right? Or you have to kind of, I don't know, just walk over people, right? To get there. And again, 
the, the, the truth, what I have seen, that there are people who became billionaires who have done that. You know, they have been really bad people in, in, from the sort of human point of view. And they made a lot of money in a maybe not even very legal way, let's say, right? I mean, the truth is there are many people like this. But then even for them, they do carry this pain within themselves and every human being wants a redemption. So, and then of course, they want to set up charities and do philanthropical work. And then they also come and work with people like myself because some of my clients, you know, I know their life stories. And as what I always say that every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. And I think it's important to give second chances to all of us, regardless of where we're coming from and being unjudgmental about it, because we all go, you know, through our journey. But I'm just saying for those who are kind of on their way there, it will be much cleaner for you if you started kind of from the right approach, right? And the right approach here is listening to your soul and not rushing into it and taking some time. It is in the long run, you will save yourself a lot of pain so that when you're in your 50s or 60s or 70s, but you will not be tormented in your mind and in your heart by everything you had to do to make money. So make it right from the very beginning. And then you create this foundation for yourself when you can just enjoy your life on a much deeper level later. So it's all about kind of long-term thinking also here. Mm -hmm. And for anyone who has not gone through this journey, soul searching, where can they start? Let's say the question you you talk about in this podcast, you know, what nourish your soul and what else can they do? Baby steps. Baby steps. Yes, baby steps. Very good. So baby steps, people who want to go on a spiritual journey or what kind of journey we're asking here or soul journey? Yeah, like, for example, I, what I can imagine is really typical nowadays people experiencing burnout. They don't yep. feel, feel fulfilled doing what they're doing at work, mm -hmm. but they don't know what to do. You know, okay. Where, yeah. Yeah, so I understand. So the most important thing, and it's not going to be a popular advice, but to slow down. That's the most important one because the burnouts are happening when too many things are happening and our mind cognitively is not able to process it and put them in the system in our kind of, right, mentally. And that's why we get those burnouts. It's just too much to do at once. So the first thing to do is slow down. So it means you have to step away from what you do and remove unnecessary activity, which means that unnecessary tasks you probably do, unnecessary connections with people just for the moment, right? Unnecessary time on social media, unnecessary time, let's say, watching news or TV or anywhere else where you get information, unnecessary time pretty much to any type of information that comes your way. Right? Just remove all of this and keep only the essential and give yourself just some time to stabilize your mind and your nervous system so you don't feel like you're constantly bombarded with things. So slowing down is very, very important. And I would not underestimate such a simple things as eating well. And under eating well, I mean, you need to know what food is good for your body because it's all connected, right? Mind and body all connected. So if you don't eat properly, your mind gets more stressed out. So you need to know what food is good for you and you need to know what eating schedule is good for you and stay with this. It's also very important to exercise physically 
Again, proven already scientifically, physical exercise creates certain hormones in our brain that you know change our hormonal system in general, and and we just feel more energized and happier and calmer. So it's important to have regular exercise that you feel also is good for you. It's important to sleep enough. So usually when people are going through burnouts, you, if you're not sleeping, let's say up to nine hours, try to increase your sleep. Like you probably won't, yeah, you probably want to sleep between eight to nine hours if you're yeah. experiencing burnout because it gives your mind time to rest, right? So otherwise you're constantly engaging in something. I so see. sleeping I is feel important. Very, I feel very relieved that I sleep eight to nine or even more than Perfect. hours. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm sleeping so much. <laughs> no, 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 don't, don't. And actually, even uh, one of my favorite spiritual teachers used to say that sleeping is a very important part of the spiritual practice. Seriously, people underestimate how important sleep is because you're resetting everything. Like maybe you noticed yourself before, if let's say people who, let's say you go through a tough day, right? And you're emotionally and mentally maybe unbalanced and you're struggling about something. I mean, one way you can just sit there and trying to figure it out in your head. Usually it makes things worse. And how one of my teachers used to say, he just say, if you're confused, lost, stressed, just go to sleep. Take an afternoon nap for an hour, seriously. And you will see when you wake up, your mind will be rebooted. And actually, I tried it also myself, and I can see the difference. It's very interesting. It's almost like you reset your entire system. And I think it's also one of the reasons they, I know, for example, um, psychologists, they do give this advice when people experience burnouts, that if you start in the morning, sometimes when your burnout is really intense and you have been there for a long time, it becomes almost chronical. And then what happens is when you wake up in the morning, you wake up stressed. Like you wake up not rested. You wake up with this anxiety. You have to start your day, right? And so one of the advice is if you wake up and you feel you're not ready, something off in your mind, go back to sleep. Sleep for another hour and start your day again and see if there's a difference, right? So sleeping is very important. Uh, I, I might as well just take that advice next time. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah, I, I tend to start my day very late and uh, sometimes i also feel tired yeah next next time i might was just go back to sleep again <laughs> exactly you should and because then also if we remember very famous the four hours work uh, work week right a very famous book then it's again it's um it's not about the how many hours you put to work it's actually how present and focused you are in doing what you need to do. And this is another quality, which I also noticed with people who are millionaires and billionaires, they are highly efficient about their time. And when I say that they work a lot, it doesn't mean that, let's say, they stay out of the computer for 12 hours, right? Or, in, or, or maybe not that they are in the office all the time. So it means that let's say when they show up in the office, it could maybe be only three hours, but in these three hours, they're so 100% present that they're able to do everything that they need to do. And then they know how to switch off their mind and they go and they do something else because what they also know that they need to create that space in their mind for new ideas. And that's why I say it's important, for example, maybe go for the gym, 
or jogging or walking, because also when you do physical exercise, you created space in your mind. Or mm -hmm. it's like similar when people say that you have those ideas when you're in the shower singing, right? I mean, why? Because you create space in your mind. And it is very important to, to do all those things. And maybe just one more in case of those who are experiencing some kind of stress or burnout, right? And especially now that it's very important to ask for help and to have a network that supports you. And it could be as simple as calling a friend and just being very honest and saying, you know what? It has been a tough day and I need to talk to someone and not being ashamed to do it, right? Or fearful to do this. It's very normal to be human. It's very normal to be vulnerable. And I find when we ask for help and support, we just nourish ourselves so much more. Yeah, like you mentioned earlier that when someone experiences uh, difficult times in life, it's just better to ask help early than late. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, I'd like to continue this conversation, but we are running a little bit out of time. And uh, after the, you know, our last part of the conversation, I think, okay, I'm ready to go out for a run. So thank you so much for being here, Yana. Thank you for having me here, Yes. <laughs>